Chapter 26 Alex froze, as if all her blood had come to a sudden, catastrophic halt in her veins. Alex stood, staring, in breathless disbelief into the face of Paul Haggerty. You are one hard little lady to track down, he said, a grin playing across his sharp features. His face looked so much more angular than she remembered, his nose so much more hawkish and his lips even thinner, as if he had to stretch them to impossible lengths just to smile. His brown eyes were just as cold, though, despite the smile. Cold and brittle and shifty. It was possible to see crazy, Alex realized then, her heart lurching to life again with a painful spasm. It was right in front of her, leering, hungry, hiding behind a harmless smile. Go away, she whispered, her voice shaking as she took a step back. Leave me alone. Oh, come on now, baby, he said, taking a step up and into her space, making her back up even more. I just want to talk. Just talk. I promise. Get away from me, she said, her voice stronger as she reached back and gripped the edge of the door. Or I'll call the police. Calm down. We're just talking, he said his voice a gentle caress that nevertheless scraped over her nerves. He'd probably learned to use that tone in prison, in the group therapy sessions that she imagined had tried to reel him back from the brink of insanity. His voice played at being softly chiding and soothing all at once, as if she were the one who was volatile and dangerous. He moved slowly, fluidly, pinning her with his eyes, all the while casually forcing her to back up. Then he was inside. He was inside her house. Somehow, before she could even blink or move or scream, he was inside her house. He shut the door behind him and clicked the lock. Fear flooded through her and she tried to run, not even knowing where she could run to. She had to get out, somehow, even through a window if she had to. But as she turned, he caught her arm easily and pulled her around to face him, his expression etched with concern. Alex, baby, don't be scared. I know we've had a bit of a rough time, but that's all in the past. I've changed, I swear to you. All I want to do is talk. Let go of me, she bit out through clenched teeth, trying to yank her wrist free of his grip. Get your hands off me. To her surprise, he backed off holding up his hands in cautious surrender. Okay, okay, no problem. That condescending tone again, like she were a Roman candle about to ignite. I'm sorry, I, I didn't want to scare you, baby. That's why I sent that note. The note. Only now did she remember why she was even here. Pain and panic sliced into her in equal measure, both at the thought that Paul had managed to lure her here and the knowledge that her happiness of ten minutes ago had been a mere illusion. Eric hadn't sent the note. He wasn't here. He didn't love her. That little slip of paper, which had been so precious to her mere moments ago, had been nothing more than a madman's ruse. But then... A thought swam through the panic building in her brain, a thought that threatened to push her panic into blinding fear. Why did you sign it with an E? She asked, her voice too tremulous, giving away too much. 
She shouldn't even be talking to him, but the dread that climbed steadily up her spine forced her to ask. She had never referred to Paul by any name that started with E. If he somehow knew about Eric... Paul smiled. You mean E as in Eric? Fear whipped through her and she stared at him, hardly knowing how to form the question, not certain if she could bear the answer. His smile was patient and kind, the way a benevolent uncle would regard the silliness of a favorite niece. Finally, he shrugged. Well, I didn't know whether he spelled it with a K or a C on the end, so I just went with the initial to be safe. Spelled. Past tense. Had he gotten to Eric somehow? Her mind swirled, fear and nausea spiraling through her, making her knees feel like jelly, and her head begin to swim. No, couldn't be, she told herself, fighting off the staggering panic that made her want to scream. No one could find Eric, and even if Paul had somehow managed it, he was no match for a former army ranger and professional mercenary. But watching the hard gleam in Paul's eyes, somehow rendered even more menacing by his soft, avuncular expression, Alex couldn't quiet the doubt and the fear that tore through her nonetheless. How do you know about him? She whispered, trying to keep her wits intact, trying not to collapse. Paul shrugged again. I've been following you for a few days, baby, trying to find the right time to talk to you. When you were online at the supermarket the other day, I overheard you talking to that woman with the baby stroller. She said the kid's name was Eric, and you said that was your boyfriend's name. Remember? Relief loosened the vice gripping Alex's spine, and she let out a breath she hadn't realized she'd been holding. She did remember talking to that new mother, remembered looking down fondly at the sleeping baby boy. The idea that Paul had been lurking somewhere close enough to overhear her words, chilled her. But she couldn't deny the sweet, wonderful relief that poured through her either. He had simply overheard her saying Eric's name. That meant that probably, probably he was still out there somewhere, safe. Imagine my delight when you corrected yourself, Paul said, as if this were some special secret they shared some meaningful moment in their relationship. When you said he was your ex-boyfriend, I knew then this was meant to be, baby, that we were meant to be. Had she told the woman Eric was her ex? Yes, she had, as an afterthought, just to correct herself, just to get used to thinking of him that way. The woman hadn't cared, of course, but evidently Paul had taken it as a sign from God. I wanted you to have your favorite drink, Paul said then. Remember when you first made it for me on our second date? His eyes sparkled, lost in another memory special only to him. Then he frowned. But I, I thought maybe I should pretend this Eric guy had sent it to you, so I signed a note with his initial. I'm sorry about that. I, I truly am. The way you talked to that woman about him? He trailed off wistfully. You sounded... So sad. Did he hurt you, baby? I want you to leave. Now, Alex said, stealing her voice. Just turn around and leave. Okay, okay. Just let me tell you what I came to say. He pleaded, his eyes softening. Then I'll go. I swear. I don't care what you have to say. 
Get out. Pain flashed across his face and he sagged visibly, the line of his shoulders suddenly dipping into a concave of despair. Please don't be like this, baby. You have to give me a chance to make amends. Make amends? She shot out and immediately regretted it. She shouldn't engage him, shouldn't get into any kind of discussion about their past. Nick had warned her about that after the last time Paul had found her. Don't give him any reason to keep talking. Don't let him think he has any place in your life. But she couldn't help it. Maybe being around Eric had rubbed off on her a little too much, because now the rage roiling inside her wouldn't be placated by merely getting him to leave. Yes, baby, I know I owe you an apology. You ruined my life, you son of a bitch. His eyes hardened slightly, but his face remained contrite. I know, I know, I was an asshole. I'm sorry. Sorry? She repeated, anger and disbelief spiking her voice. You're sorry? Incredibly sorry, he said passionately, obviously emboldened by her. He moved towards her but stopped short when she tensed. She backed away from him and glanced over at the kitchen counter, where a dirty steak knife balanced on last night's dinner plate. Following her gaze, he let out a sharp laugh of surprise. Oh, come on. There's no need to get dramatic. Stay away from me, Paul, she said, quiet menace in her tone. I'm warning you. He backed up a step, still holding up his hands. Okay, okay, fair enough. I understand why you feel this way. I'll go, if you want me to, and maybe we can... I want you to, she seized on his offer. Go. I love you, he blurted out. Desperation colored his voice and wrinkled his brow. I know you probably don't want to hear it, but that's the absolute truth. And I know I came on too strong, and I know I pushed you too hard, but baby, it was just because I love you so much. He paused, seemed to rein himself in. I know, it's no excuse. I, I know I was wrong to pursue you so ardently, but it was only because you made me insane with love. Don't you see that? Love? Alex couldn't believe her ears. Stalking her? Breaking into her apartment? Raping and beating her unconscious? Or acts of love? She edged towards the kitchen counter, keeping the knife in her peripheral vision. If she could find a way to force him back towards the front door... I know it's not politically correct these days to pursue a woman the way I pursued you, he said, a slight note of disdain in his voice. Guy can't be persistent anymore without getting arrested. Even still, I know I, I went overboard. Overboard, she whispered. You didn't go overboard. You raped me. He stilled. Shock hummed through him, and his whole body visibly tensed. Oh, God, baby, he whispered, as though his voice had been ripped from his throat. Don't say that. You raped me, she stated, each word clipped, emphatic, point. I, God, I would never. His throat worked, and a film of tears began to puddle his eyes. I can't believe you would say such a thing. You forced yourself on me against my will. We had a fight, he said plaintively. We're both very passionate people, baby, you know that. We had a fight, and my passion just spilled over into some very intense sex. But you know I could never, I could, I could never 
rape you. But he had raped her. He had forced her down onto the floor, had wedged her knees apart and crushed his lips to hers. He had entered her even as she'd struggled beneath him, screaming for him to stop. His idea of intense sex had been a joyless, mechanical rutting that she'd fought against the entire time, until he'd found his release and climbed off her. And then, hurt and angered by her tearful attempts to scramble away from him, he'd lashed out at her, beating her savagely as he cried. You beat me, she said then. After you raped me, you beat me, and I nearly died. He let out a pained noise and ran a hand through his thin blonde hair. He closed his eyes and then looked up at her from beneath long, pale lashes. Okay, okay, he said, his voice shaking. I admit that I lost control. I shouldn't have hit you. I'm sorry. I was just so overwhelmed with emotion, so crazy in love with you, Alex. I've never been so completely, desperately, madly in love with anyone the way I am with you. After we made love that night, you acted as if our love meant nothing to you, and I just couldn't stand it. I couldn't stand watching you deny what we have together. Rage rippled through her, all-consuming and ravenous, demanding release, and she had to struggle to remain in control. She stood alongside the counter but kept her hands out in front of her, not wanting him to think she was going for the knife. We had nothing together, she said, her voice a study in control. We dated, and you took it too far. When I said we were finished, you decided we weren't. You're completely deluded. You've let your feelings blind you to what's really going on. Everything that happened was your doing, and it wasn't because you loved me. But I do, he said urgently, stepping towards her. She stiffened, but she didn't want to move away from the counter, from the only weapon she had. God, Alex, you're all I think about. You're the most beautiful woman I've ever known. We have a once-in-a-lifetime love, baby, you know we do. You think a love like ours comes along every day? We're not in love, she said, remembering Eric's voice telling her the same thing. Even now, with a lunatic in front of her and her heart thundering out her fear, her gut clenched the thought that she might have sounded as crazy to Eric, insisting that they shared a deep, magical love that he was just too stubborn to acknowledge. Of course we're in love, baby, he said gently, sadly. Just because you don't want to admit it doesn't make it untrue. Her stomach lurched again, and she thought she might be sick. She had never sounded this insane, had she? She hadn't looked so demented and pathetic, had she? Begging Eric to admit to a love that only she had felt? Shame and humiliation burned hot and fierce as she recalled her words to him outside the cabin. We love each other. Don't throw it away. You're my soul, Alex, do you understand? Paul said, stepping even closer to her. You're my very soul. He reached out and touched her cheek then, startling her into action. She grabbed the steak knife and lunged at him, managing to slice through his shirt sleeve and into his forearm. He hissed in pain and stepped back from her with wide, frightened eyes. Alex, he stammered, shock making his voice small. Why did you do that? Get out of my house. She held the knife out towards him. Now. Alex. 
He tilted his head to the side as he gripped his bleeding arm. He gazed at her with a wounded, pitiful expression, as though she were being completely unreasonable and it was breaking his heart. Don't do this, baby. Give me a chance to prove how much I love you. Now, she screamed and moved forward, just to emphasize her command. And that's when he struck. He surged towards her, knocking the knife from her hand. It clattered harmlessly to the floor as he grabbed her wrists and pushed her roughly up against the kitchen counter. Stop! she cried, struggling to free her wrists from his iron grip. But his larger body pinned her easily against the countertop and she was trapped. The edge of the counter bit sharply into her back, but he pressed her into it firmly, searching for her mouth and crushing his lips down on her even as she cried out in protest. His mouth was hot and wet, and he tasted of stale coffee and onions. His tongue slimed over hers, and she wanted to gag, but he forced his tongue further into her mouth as he moaned and pressed his erection against her. She brought her knee up to connect with his balls, but he ducked his leg across himself protectively just in time, and she only managed to knee his thigh. Come on, baby, he breathed as he released her mouth. You know how good it is between us. You know you still love me. Get off me, she spat, using every bit of strength she had to push him back. But he was solid and unmovable, his heaviness pinning her to the counter despite every muscle in her body straining to push him back. Get away from me! You're such a spirited little minx, aren't you? He said then, nipping at her neck. I've always loved your passion, baby. You make a man crazy for you, you know that? He freed one of her wrists and grabbed her breast, squeezing her roughly groaning into her hair. His sharp, unpleasant aftershave made her want to throw up, and as he breathed heavily against her and sought out her mouth, she tried to turn her head as far away from him as she possibly could. Every part of her that he touched felt dirty, felt violated, and revulsion curdled her stomach as he forced more and more of his body into contact with hers. Her body screamed out for escape. Now that she had shared so much with Eric, now that her skin and her lips and her very soul had known his gentle strength, his warm, smooth skin and the luscious heaven of his kiss, she couldn't tolerate another man's touch, least of all Paul Haggerty's. She had to push him off. Somehow she had to get him off her. She couldn't tolerate one more second of his heavy flesh against her or his sloppy lips on her skin, and she'd be damned if she was going to let him rape her again, whatever he chose to call it. She reached out blindly and groped along the countertop, feeling for anything she could use. The plate. The dinner plate from last night. Hardly a Beretta, but it would have to do. She seized the plate and swung, crashing it down on the side of Paul's head. It shattered with a satisfying thunk, spiky shards raining down over his shoulders to the floor. Surprise stunned him for only a moment, but it was enough. With a surge of effort, she pushed against his bulk and he stumbled back, loosening his grip on her just enough so she was able to break free. She turned to run towards the front door, but his arm shot out and he grabbed her, wrenching her back around to face him. The motion sent them both off balance, teetering wildly until they both crashed painfully to the floor. Alex dropped to her knees, shards of the broken plate slicing into her skin as she struggled not to fall any further. But in a flash, Paul was on her, pushing her onto her back and saddling all his weight on her, pinning her beneath him with a heavy grunt. She couldn't breathe, 
couldn't force her lungs to inflate beneath the pressure of his whole body pressing against hers. She gasped for air and pressed against his chest for him to back off. To her surprise, he did, sitting up so that he straddled her hips. He looked down at her, panting, his hair falling in ragged spikes over his eyes. Why do you do this to me? he demanded, his tone verging on a whine. It doesn't have to be like this. Just let me love you. I hate you, you sick son of a bitch, she seethed, swinging for him with both fists. He batted them away fiercely, anger darkening his eyes, and then he raised his hand to her and let it fall. Pain exploded through her head as the back of his hand made contact with her face. The force of the blow knocked her head back against the hardwood floor, sending another white-hot jolt of pain detonating through her skull. You hate me? he cried. You hate me? He curled his fingers into a fist and punched her, his hand cracking with the sickening sound of breaking bone. Whether it was her bone breaking or his, she couldn't tell, but the pain screaming through her face told her it was likely hers. Blinding, feral pain stabbed through her, made the room spin and her senses clash in a dizzying array of colors and light. She felt her stomach begin to heave. He pulled back to hit her again, but she raised her arm and fended off the blow, only to have him grab her arm and wrench it away from her face. You don't get to fucking hate me, he panted, spit flying from his mouth. Not after everything you've put me through. Not after all I've suffered because of you. He struck her again, and she felt her cheekbone break. There was no additional pain, at least not that she could feel, because her head was already on fire with it with pain that roared and howled like a living thing trapped inside her skull. Pain and a buzzing hum that vibrated through her head. Then vertigo seized her, making the room spin, whirling and swirling, whipping around out of control. When she opened her eyes, she saw Paul swimming above her, indistinct and watery, the ceiling fan behind his head swimming too, the whole room tilting, growing dark around the edges, drifting away. You did this to me, he hissed. This is all your fucking fault for making me like this. His hand came down on her face again, a ring on his finger slicing into her cheek. She closed her eyes against the blistering pain and let her head loll to the side. Her face throbbed, angry and vivid and hot, and she knew he had fractured her other cheekbone. He hit her again and again, each blow more savage, more vicious than the last. She couldn't have said when it began not to matter anymore. But soon, it simply didn't. It just didn't matter if she survived this. That deep, primal part of her that should have wanted to live simply couldn't summon the will to care. All this pain would end if she just let go. And so would all the other pain, too. All the heartache and the grief and the staggering crippling sense of loss that she'd tried so hard to push past, tried to find a way to live with, because she wasn't living with it. It was living through her. Grief was like a parasite within her, sapping her strength, draining her will, gradually eating away at her very soul. And in those few minutes of joy she'd just experienced, thinking that Eric loved her and had come back to her, She'd finally understood the truth. She would never be whole again. 
would never know real happiness, not without him. With no hope of ever seeing him again, what reason did she have for enduring this dreadful pain? For letting this parasitic grief lay waste to her soul? She could let it end, here and now. She could just let go. She was only vaguely aware of Paul's large hands yanking open her blouse, could only lie there, pain rocketing through her, her consciousness slipping away as surely as her will to live, as he grabbed at her and tore the fabric of her bra. He was panting, cursing, pushing aside the cups to roughly drag free her breasts. Alice came. Eric. It was Eric's voice, floating to her through a haze of pain. Stand close to me, Alice Clay. Stay with me, my love. Eric, she called, but no sound came out. He was too far away, too distant, too out of reach. Stand close to me. She was cold then, so very cold, but her side was on fire, like she'd been shot. She was getting colder, feeling weaker, and she had the odd sensation of sliding around, like she was in a moving vehicle. Eric's strong arms were around her, cradling her to him. He was holding her. She was safe. Somehow, she knew that in his arms she would always be safe. Whispered so softly with a kiss against her ear. My love. Her eyes fluttered open and she struggled to clear her vision. Paul's knees were pressing into her ribs so forcefully she thought they'd surely break. Her head whirled as she lifted her chin and she almost blacked out, lowering her head to the floor just in time. Eric's coming. So warm, so strong. Eric's lips pressing kisses to her skin. I love you. She could just stay here in Eric's arms forever, just like this, surrounded by him, his lips against her skin, his soft voice whispering his love. She could just drift away and remember his eyes, his beautiful blue eyes gazing down at her, shimmering in the dim light. She could remember his fingers trailing over hers and the heat of his kiss and the feel of his body against hers as they slowly made love. She could revel in the memory of him pulling her into his warm embrace as they drifted to sleep beneath a cozy down quilt. She could stay here in his dream forever, and it would be her heaven. Then, Eric's voice called to her again, not a whisper this time, louder, Stronger, echoing through her mind past the pain. Fight, my love. Fight. She turned her head slowly, and Eric was somehow there, crouching beside her. He was speaking to her in, in Swedish, or maybe it was English, or, or both. He was smiling down at her so tenderly, his eyes shining with love. His words were soft, encouraging, 
a reminder more than a command. Fight, baby. You can do it. Just fight. Her hand drifted up alongside her head, trailing over pieces of the broken plate, sluggishly groping over the shards as they clinked and scraped beneath her clumsy fingers. Paul was lost in the brutal possession of her body, his breathing heavy as he worked to hike up the hem of her skirt. And he didn't even look up as she stretched her arm out further to extend her reach. Her fingers crawled, searching, passing over slivers of the dinner plate until finally they rested on what she had hoped to find. The steak knife. Her fingers curled around the handle until she could grip it firmly. Then she turned her head back to face Paul, who had parted her legs and ripped aside her panties and was hovering above her with a wild, mindless look of anticipation on his sweaty face. He was fumbling with his zipper, cursing as he struggled to free himself, dribbling spittle on her as his feverish panting grew along with his excitement. Grimacing with pain, she dragged in a breath, hurled her hand up, and jammed the knife into the side of his neck. He screamed and shot upright, his hands flying up to his neck. He grappled for the knife and tried to wrench it from her grip, but she held tight, willing herself to hold on as she jammed the blade in further, angling it to reach the carotid artery that she had just barely missed with her first attempt. She wouldn't miss it again. Willing her vision to clear, she eyed her target, tilted the handle, and drove the knife in to the hilt. Bright red blood spurted violently from around the knife, pulsing out of him in leaping bursts. Then she let him pry her hand free, let her arm fall back to the floor, let him scream and curse her and try vainly to pull the knife out of his flesh. It didn't matter what he did now. It didn't matter if he managed to get the knife free, unlikely as that was. It didn't even matter if he managed to stumble from her and make it out the door. It was too late for him. He was already dead. She had severed a major artery. His heart had been pumping so fast in the seconds before she'd stabbed him, his blood pressure so high, that his life now spurted out of him in great glistening red arcs that soared across the room, pulsing at the same speed with which his still rapid heart was pumping. He had a minute to live. Maybe not even that. He staggered to his feet, a sickening, gurgling sound erupting from his throat as he wobbled and stumbled and went over on his ankle. He fell to his knees beside her, both hands gripping his neck as blood spurted between his fingers and ran down his hands. She watched as he rose unsteadily, and she strained to follow him with her eyes, even as the room began to grow darker, even as the pain in her head began to block out all other sensation. She couldn't turn her head to see whether he made it to the front door or not, but she heard it. She heard him collapse, heard him crash to the coffee table and crumple to the floor. And then, silence. A slow, heavy, leaden silence, punctuated only by the droning hum in her head, the ringing in her ears that grew louder, more insistent, and the vibrating buzz that began to engulf her. And then, Eric's voice, drifting farther, growing fainter, even as she strained to hear it through the riot of pain and noise in her head. So far away now, it was barely a whisper in the dark. Still, 